Right, we're back and hey I missed you guys too today's sponsor is ancestors.com find out why you look and act so weird visit ancestors.com today to get started and enter promo code Skinnerd reconsidered to receive half off our entry level I only kind of care package ancestors.com because you need more people to blame all right let's turn it up Welcome back to Skinner Reconsidered, the only podcast where I review every single Leonard Skinner song. I am your host, a simple man, and as far as I know, actually, this is still the only Leonard Skinner podcast out there, period. So if you want to listen to a podcast about Skinner, you're going to have to go through me, free birds. This is the second season of Skinner Reconsidered. We're going to dive into an album called Second Helping, the sophomore album from Leonard Skinner, which I think is a really great name for a second album from a southern rock band. Second helping, like Supper at Grandma's House. I'm actually recording this, not in my usual super fancy studio uh, near Nashville, Tennessee, but from the beach where my family's on vacation. We're having a good time, but I think that everyone has gone to bed. There might be some interruptions. This will be pretty fascinating for us to see, but uh, right here on the beach having fun. And maybe if I'll I'll be quiet for a minute. You might actually even be able to hear the ocean in this recording. Let's listen. All right, I'm not sure, but Clarence, if if we didn't pick up the ocean, you, can you just add in some ocean noises and cut out this part where I ask you to do that? Awesome. Thank you, Clarence. So this is the first time we've recorded since the release of the first season, first album, pronounced Leonard Skinnerd. And I've gotten a lot of great feedback, way more than I expected to receive. I'm not saying this thing is a runaway hit by any means, but a lot of great feedback has come into me and more than I expected. So there's a lot of that to cover. I want to mention some of the great people who have reached out to me and to talk about what's going on currently in the world of Skinner Reconsidered. But we are going to save that for the second episode, only because there's so much to talk about today. And I like my podcasts brief. You know, we like to keep it lean and mean over here. I've never said lean and mean in my life. I don't know what it is. I don't know what happens when I get a microphone in front of me. I start to start saying dumb things. But the point is, let's keep this brief. We'll get into the feedback next episode. But it's been great to hear from so many of you out there. I do actually want to go ahead and make one announcement. As you know, if you listen to the first season, it was very important to me that the podcast be family friendly. I wanted you to listen along with your kids. I care about you, your children, your families. And I've given that a lot of thought since the first season. And I've decided, fuck the children. They're not listening to this anyway. So this podcast is going blue. We're not going to go overboard, but there will be some of those awesome cuss words that we all love so much. I just can't be censored, people. I need to be free as a bird. I think this is going to give the podcast the edge it was lacking in season one. You're going to hear me say some just super cool bad words. And the reason there is so much to discuss here today is because the song for the day is Sweet Home Alabama. You probably heard of that one. It is the first song on Second Helping, and it's the one that broke the band. 
their this was their first real hit. It was not Free Bird. It was not any of those great songs off the first album that we've discussed. It was Sweet Home Alabama. And Sweet Home Alabama is about as big as a rock song can be. You can't go anywhere in the South without hearing it. Actually, I've driven to or through Alabama a couple times in the last month. And when you cross over the border in Alabama, there's a sign on the interstate that says, Welcome to Sweet Home Alabama. It's, it even says that on the license plates. I don't know how a rock song could get much bigger than that. Everybody knows it. It's become a, a southern anthem, an anthem certainly for the state of Alabama. But that doesn't mean it's not controversial. So there's a lot we're going to get into today. Sweet Home Alabama was written by Ronnie Van Zant, Gary Rossington, and Ed King. Strangely enough, even though this is the first hit for Skinner, this was not the first hit song written by Ed King. He was previously in the band Strawberry Alarm Clock, which is basically the most 60s California rock band I could possibly imagine. And they had a song called Incense and Peppermints, which was a number one Billboard hit in November 1967. Ed King was not officially credited as a songwriter originally, but the song was based on an instrumental he co-wrote. Ed King was a California boy. I, I know I always say that Skinner is from Florida, and the rest of the original lineup is, but Ed King was actually from California, which led to a lot of harassment from the rest of the band that we'll get into later. But Ed King, he played the lead guitar on this song, Sweet Home Alabama. He helped write it, so it's one of his more important contributions that's Ed King. You hear at the very beginning of the song, counting it off, that one, two, three is Ed King. And the story of the creation of the song is that Gary Rossington had a little riff. Ronnie told him to keep playing it, and then Gary and Ed wrote the music while Ronnie wrote the lyrics. In typical Skinnerd fashion, it took about 30 minutes to write. Uh, Ronnie, of course, didn't write down the lyrics, but made them up and remembered them. And it all came together very quickly. They got excited about the song as soon as it was written. They told Al Cooper, we got a hit. They recorded the song in the studio, and as soon as it was done, Ed King says that Ronnie heard it and said, this is our rambling man. Of course, Ronnie and Skinner had to endure constant comparisons to the Allman Brothers Band. Those were the two main Southern rock bands at the time. They still are. Those are the two bands that you think of when you think of Southern rock. And the Allman Brothers got off to a bit of a lead. They already had a hit with Rambling Man. And Ronnie knew that they had theirs with Sweet Home Alabama. So when everyone talks about this song, they talk about two controversies. There's one that we can easily put to bed today. I put that thing to bed just like I put my daughters to bed, hopefully, uh, a little while ago. But there's another controversy that's a lot more complicated. I don't have the answer for it, guys, but um, I'm going to lay out the facts and maybe give my opinion. And you can see what you think. But the only way to really address this is to get into the song. So let's turn it up, Freebirds. It's Sweet Home Alabama. One, two, three. Turn it up. All right, I'm sorry to stop it so early, but that iconic moment at the beginning of the song when Ronnie Van Zant says, turn it up, it's become a pretty big part of your favorite podcast from The Simple Man. And that was not planned. Ronnie was just telling the engineer to turn up the volume in his headset, but they all thought it sounded good, so they left it in the final recording. I'm oh, sorry, let's, let's go ahead and start back at the beginning and get into this. One, two, three. Turn it up. 
right, so so far so good. This is just an undeniably fun, feel-good kind of song that's catchy, but not in an annoying way. The guitar riffs in the beginning are amazing. Ronnie's just singing about missing old Bammy, old Alabama, and it's pleasant. Everyone's happy. You're smiling. No controversy at all so far, so what could possibly go wrong? Alright, so this is a cool little thing if you've never heard it before. After Ronnie sings the line, Well, I heard Mr. Young sing about her. You can hear very faintly in the background, it's on the left channel, somebody singing Southern Man. Those two words, one of the two Neil Young songs in question. And it's actually the producer, Al Cooper, who is impersonating Neil Young. I'll try to back it up and amplify that for us to hear. If it doesn't work, Throw on some headphones, listen to Sweet Home Alabama, and about 55 seconds in, listen to the left channel of your headphones, and you'll hear it. I love little stuff like that on very well-known songs that they slid in there that a lot of people might miss. Let's look at the lyrics. Ronnie sings, Well, I heard Mr. Young sing about her. Well, I heard old Neil put her down. Well, I hope Neil Young will remember a southern man don't need him around anyhow. And then it goes into the chorus. So this is one of the two controversies around this song. And this is the one that we can discuss and put to bed pretty easily. And that I think is a lot of fun, actually. Neil Young wrote a couple of songs about the South and about Alabama specifically. His issues were mostly focused on race relations, the civil rights movement, and Alabama was emblematic of race issues in the South at that time for a lot of reasons. There was a church bombing in Birmingham in 1963 where KKK members planted sticks of dynamite under the steps of a black church, killing four girls and injuring 22 others. Then you had the governor of Alabama, George Wallace, who we'll get into later. So on his third solo album, after the Gold Rush, Neil Young tackled the issue of race in a song called Southern Man. And here's a sampling of the lyrics from Neil Young. Southern man, better keep your head. Don't forget what your good book said. Southern change gonna come at last. Now your crosses are burning fast. Pretty sick burn there, pardon the pun. He's calling out the hypocrisy of people in the Bible Belt who are showing such cruelty to their neighbors. And then on Young's fourth solo album, Harvest, which was the best-selling record in the United States in 1972, he had the song Alabama. And some of those lyrics in that song were, Oh, Alabama, banjos playing through the broken glass windows down in Alabama. See the old folks tied in white ropes. Hear the banjo. Don't it take you down home? The last verse of that song is, Oh, Alabama, can I see you and shake your hand? Make friends down in Alabama. I'm from a new land. I come to you and see all this ruin. What are you doing, Alabama? You got the rest of the union to help you along. What's going wrong? So Neil Young wrote a couple great songs, making some important points about the issues in Alabama. But Ronnie took issue with it. And here's why. 
Skinner had spent some time in Alabama recording in Muscle Shoals. That was their first true recording experience. It was before the first album, pronounced Leonard Skinner, was recorded. They fell in love with the state and the people in the state, and they heard Neil Young's songs and decided to write a rebuttal to Neil. They felt like he was coming on a little too strong. And here's a quote from Ronnie Van Zant. He said, We thought Neil was shooting all the ducks in order to kill one or two. We're Southern rebels, but more than that, we know the difference between right and wrong. So I think what Ronnie was reacting to was the ease with which people outside of the South can place blame on the South. And, you know, oftentimes for good reasons, but they're racist. There are rednecks outside of the South. They're all over the country, trust me. And he felt like Neil was throwing the baby out with the bathwater. He liked a lot about the South. He liked a lot about Alabama, and he thought that the songs... Southern Man and Alabama were painting with too broad of a brush. And a couple years after the song came out, Ronnie clarified the group's intentions. He said that he wrote Sweet Alabama as a joke. And he said, quote, we didn't even think about it. The words just came out that way. We just laughed and said, ain't that funny? We love Neil Young. We love his music. So I think it's important to keep in mind that this was a playful jab from Ronnie and the group. There do seem to be a lot of contradictions with Ronnie. I think it's obvious that he liked to provoke people, and he would say whatever it took to do that. And let's face it, there were a lot of drugs and alcohol involved, so that could always shape the narrative as well. But Ronnie was trying to get a rise out of people. Ronnie was trying to make a point and defend the South that he loved so dearly, even though perhaps he could even recognize its flaws. But this whole idea of there being a huge feud between Ronnie and Neil is false, as Ronnie just explained in that quote, Skinner were huge Neil Young fans. Ronnie would often wear a Neil Young t-shirt. And Neil Young was a fan of Skinner as well. He was a fan of this song in particular. And he said, quote, I'd rather play Sweet Home Alabama than Southern Man anytime. And shortly after the plane crash that tragically killed Ronnie and, and some others, Neil played a concert. He did a medley of Alabama and Sweet Home Alabama as a tribute to the band. And Neil Young has not played the song Alabama a single time since that night. He wrote in his book that came out in 2012, I don't like my words when I listen to it today. Speaking of the song Alabama, I don't like my words when I listen to it today. They are accusatory and condescending, not fully thought out, and too easy to misconstrue. So Neil Young himself is a fan of Sweet Home Alabama, is a fan of Skinner. And in fact, Neil Young wrote a song called Powder Finger for Skinner to record. It would have been on Street Survivors, except that Ronnie felt like it didn't quite fit in with the rest of the album, but there were plans to record it in the future. And I listened to that song quite a bit, and it's an amazing song. I'm not a huge Neil Young guy, but I'm getting pretty into him now. And this is one of the reasons I've listened to Powder Finger by Neil and, and Crazy Horse, and it is an amazing song. And it's fun to think about what it would have sounded like if Skinner had recorded it. It definitely would have fit with them, with the guitar sound, with uh, Ronnie's vocals. But I can honestly say they would not have been able to do a better version than Neil Young and Crazy Horse. It's a really great song that I hope to and plan to play for you guys at some point. And we can all listen together and imagine what could have been. But clearly they were they were friends, or at least they were mutual admirers. And there was no true feud. As I said before, Ronnie oftentimes wore a Neil Young shirt. He even wore a Neil Young shirt on the album cover of their last album, Street Survivors. 
and Neil Young himself had a Leonard Skinner shirt that he would wear sometimes. There are rumors that Neil Young was a pallbearer or maybe an honorary pallbearer at Ronnie's funeral, and those are not true. I can't find any evidence that that's the case at all. There are also rumors about Ronnie Van Zant being buried in a Neil Young t-shirt, and some tell the story of his coffin being dug up and opened to see if there was a Neil Young t-shirt on Ronnie, and this is actually partially true. Not exactly, but partially true. In 2000, police found both Ronnie Van Zant and Steve Gaines' graves vandalized. About 3 in the morning, they got a call and they showed up, and they found the marble memorials had been smashed. Ronnie Van Zant's casket had been removed from its tomb and was found on the ground. It did not appear to have been opened. There was a plastic bag that contained Steve Gaines' cremated ashes and an urn found nearby. This is awful. The bag had a hole in it, and it appears a small amount of the ashes may have spilled out. We haven't gotten to Steve Gaines yet, but he was the amazing guitar player who stepped in later on and really revitalized the band. So this is just a disgusting act by, probably just by some vandals, probably some Leonard Skinner fans who are a bit misguided. Like, let's face it, a lot of the Skinner fans are. But there doesn't appear to be any evidence that they were actually looking to see if there was a Neil Young t-shirt on Ronnie Van Zant. Um, after that time, Ronnie was moved to a concrete vault to ensure his safety. But all we know for sure is that Skinner and Neil Young had uh, a lot of mutual admiration. There was never really any feud. There it is, the far more controversial and complex lyrics. He's talking about George Wallace. And I don't like to get political on this thing, but there's really no way to talk about this song without talking about at least, maybe not current politics, but um, old-timey, bammy politics. Let's do that instead. Okay, so you need to know about George Wallace, if you don't already. In 1958, George Wallace ran in the Democratic primary for governor, and his main opponent ran with the support of the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, an organization that Wallace at the time had spoken against, and Wallace was actually endorsed by the NAACP. He lost the nomination by about 35,000 votes. And then after the election, George Wallace said, you know why I lost that governor's race? I was out let me figure out how to deal with this. You know why I lost that governor's race? I was out inworded by John Patterson, his, uh, his rival in that race. And I'll tell you here and now, I will never be out inworded again. 
You know what I mean by inward? I, even though we're going blue, I'm not going to say that. So after that defeat, suddenly George Wallace was a segregationist and was very strong about it. When a supporter asked why he started using these racist uh, campaign ads that he did use, Wallace replied, you know, I tried to talk about good roads and good schools and all these things that have been a part of my career, and nobody listened. And then I began talking about N-words, and they stomped the floor. So this is sad for about a million reasons. It seems that maybe at the time in Alabama, this is what the people wanted. It's sad that a politician would stoop to that level. And it's sad that it worked. So Wallace ran for governor again in 1962, and he won the race. And he became the poster boy for segregation. He is famous for the quote, segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. He made national news when he stood at the steps of the University of Alabama, literally stood in the steps to physically block African-American students from entering the college. Now, I don't know why anyone would want to enter the University of Alabama in the first place, but that's definitely not the point. And George Wallace was immensely popular as governor. He served until he had to leave due to term limits. And then his wife, Lurleen Wallace, won the next election. This is in the South Alabama. Yeah, they didn't like women either back then. But I guess they hated black people so much that his wife was able to win the next election and take his place as governor. And then, of course, George Wallace ran the state as governor with his wife just serving as a, a figurehead. And then once he stepped back for a while, he won election again as governor of Alabama in 1970. He tried to run for president, um, campaigning as a segregationist. Unfortunately for George Wallace, his campaign basically ended when he was shot in Maryland. And he remained paralyzed for the rest of his life. But guess what, folks? He wasn't done with politics. Despite his failed presidential bid, he was reelected as governor in 1974. And he ended up serving as governor of the state of Alabama for 16 years and one day, which makes him the third longest governor of any state in the history of the United States. So I'm sorry for going on about that, but long story short, George Wallace is a piece of shit. And so now that we have that history lesson, let's hear the rest of the song, and we can revisit the meaning of that later.
this is a perfect guitar solo for this song. Instead of me talking about it, let's hear what Ed King himself had to say about it. He said, quote, I used a 72 Stratocaster and a 50-watt Marshall turned all the way up. The pickups on the guitar were really bad, and even when you turned everything up full, it didn't have any kind of a natural crunch. That's why the guitar is so clean. It was really a good guitar for that song, but it was a lousy playing guitar, and every time I hear my solo, I can hear myself finding it. I was always a Gibson player before I joined the band. When they asked me to play guitar, I wasn't going to play another Gibson like those guys, so I got the Stratocaster. It was just a bear to learn and a bear to play, and actually, I recorded that solo four days after I started playing the guitar. I can hear myself struggling with it, but the solo was a first taker. Of course it was. Alright, back to more fun stuff. In the third and final verse of Sweet Home Alabama, Ronnie sings about the Swampers. The lyrics are, Now Muscle Shoals has got the Swampers, and they've been known to pick a song or two. Lord, they get me off so much, they pick me up when I'm feeling blue. Now how about you? And Ronnie's referring to the original studio band at Rick Hall's Fame Studio in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. They were known as the Swampers. The core of the group was... Keyboardist Barry Beckett, drummer Roger Hawkins, bassist David Hood, and guitarist Jimmy Johnson. They're also known as the Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section, and later on they went on to found their own studio, the, the famed Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. But these guys were the studio band that played on just tons of incredibly famous recordings. They became known for having their own sound. And between the, the two studios, the one they played in for Rick Hall and the one they created for themselves, they played on records with Wilson Pickett, Aretha Franklin, Paul Simon, Bob Seger, Traffic, Rod Stewart, Cat Stevens, The Staple Singers, Levon Helm, Joe Cocker, Do I Need to Go On? The point is they were essential to music in their era. They played on a ton of great records. And David Hood... His son is Patterson Hood, who's the driving force behind the drive-by truckers, along with Mike Cooley. And we're going to talk about them more later because they are, in a lot of ways, kind of carrying the torch of Skinner. And they've gone beyond maybe what Skinner did. They actually recorded an album called The Southern Rock Opera, which is a great album that's about Leonard Skinner. So we have to acknowledge them at some point. I love those guys so very much. And actually, one of my goals of this podcast is to get Patterson Hood on this show. So if anybody out there knows Patterson Hood, tell him about this. We're going to get him on. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. All right. Let's go back to the song.
So that is Sweet Home Alabama. I bet you've heard it a million times, but we're looking at it maybe in a different way today. There are a couple of different ways to look at this song, and I'm not 100% sure which one is accurate. So what I'm going to do is lay them both out and let you decide for yourself. You're, you're free birds out there, and so I don't have to tell you what to think. You're free thinking. You're free birds. But before we do that, our sponsor today is Ancestors.com. Are you tired of blaming your parents for your receding hairline and your weird chin? Does your mom refuse to accept responsibility for your social issues? Visit Ancestors.com and open a new world of people to blame for how the hell you turned out like this. Fill out a brief form, provide a quick swab of your mouth, and you're ready to go. And at Ancestors.com, we promise not to use your DNA to frame you for multiple murders like some other people we know. And then in parentheses it says Ancestry.com. This month only, enter promo code Skinnered Reconsidered to receive half off our entry-level I Only Kind of Care package. Ancestors.com. All the blame, none of the frame. Thanks. Once again, we're blessed to have these, these sponsors, so... Thank you, Ancestors.com. So now we're going to have to break down the meaning of this song. And I've got to be honest, guys. This I've been dreading this episode in some ways. I know how important it is. I know i got to get it right. And I don't know how I feel about this song. And I've had way too much time to think about it. That's why today's episode is such a deep dive. It's going to be probably the longest or the second longest episode next to Freebird. But those are the two most important Skinner songs. And so we've got to get into it. So we're, we're digging in deep. We're trying to figure out what this means. So what I'm going to give you first is the interpretation of the song that I want to believe. And it's the one that has become more popular in recent years, as far as I can tell. It's the one that I actually believe is true, but I'm not sure. So here we go. Here's the argument. This song is actually an indictment of George Wallace and of racism. After the lyric, in Birmingham, they love the governor, you hear boo, boo, boo. So obviously that could mean that they are booing the, the governor and his awful policies. And in fact, all the way back in 1975, Ronnie Van Zant said, quote, The lyrics about the governor of Alabama were misunderstood. The general public didn't notice the words boo, boo, boo after that particular line, and the media picked up only on the reference to the people loving the governor. Al Cooper, the producer who's back again on this album, he notes, the line, we all did what we could do, is sort of ambiguous. We tried to get Wallace out of there, is how I always thought of it. End quote. Another quote from Ronnie Van Zant: Wallace and I have very little in common. I don't like what he says about colored people. And okay, we're going to, this is 1970-something, we're going to forgive a Southern man for using the phrase colored people in the 70s. Sounds pretty gross now, but I don't think that we can hold that against them, especially when he is standing up against George Wallace. So this is the interpretation I want to believe. This tells me that this is not a racist ban. If I thought this was a racist ban, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. And, and here's another point. The lyrics to the song, even though he 
says Ronnie says he dashed them off in about 30 minutes. They're pretty pointed and specific. So why include the last verse about the Swampers? It really has nothing to do with George Wallace or uh, anything else he's talking about. And maybe it's just as simple as, hey, here's something I like about Alabama. Sweet, sweet, sweet home Alabama. But perhaps he's pointing out that there is great culture that comes from the South, that comes from Alabama. There is great culture in the South, music, food, literature. Look it up if you don't believe me. And so maybe he is saying, hey, Neil Young, you throw all this out and you're going to lose a lot. And there are a lot of good people down here doing a lot of great things. It's also worth pointing out that the Swampers recorded a lot of soul music with African-American artists. And it was a pretty important time and a pretty important place where white music and black music came together and made something that was pretty special to a lot of people. And yes, I am biased. I like Skinner. I'm actually... I'm doing an entire podcast about them. I don't know if you've heard that. And my family is all entirely from Alabama. That doesn't mean, though, that I don't understand how wrong Alabama can be and how Alabama just keeps fucking up over and over and over and over again. And in fact, Alabama has fucked up very recently, but I've vowed not to talk about current politics, at least on this podcast. So I I get both sides. It's complicated. But from everything that I've read, all the research I've done, which I need to do more, I'm not a Skinner expert necessarily. I haven't seen any evidence of them being racist, and I haven't seen any reason to believe that they would support Governor George Wallace and his politics. But let me give you the other side of the story, which I think is also perfectly reasonable. You've got a band that is playing shows in front of a Confederate flag, maybe In the 70s, it didn't mean quite what it means right now, but they're playing shows in front of a Confederate flag. You hear them attack Neil Young for writing two songs that were simply speaking out against racism in the South. The song by Skinner name checks George Wallace in Birmingham, which is not the state capital, but was a location that was very much embroiled in the civil rights movement at that time. So I can see how on a casual listen... This might seem like a pretty racist song to you, and it might make you want to hate or dismiss this band. And then on top of that, there are two lines in this song that give me trouble. One of those lines is, and the governor's true. So why would they say that? Why would Ronnie say that? Is that meant to be sarcastic? I I don't know. For the record, George Wallace loved the song and made the band honorary members of the state militia or some shit like that. I don't really know what that means, but he was a fan and they do say the governor's true. The second line that gives me pause is one that's pretty hard to understand, but it's been confirmed by the producer and certain band members that it is what Ronnie was saying towards the end of the song. And it's where he says, my Montgomery got the answer. Let's take a listen. There was actually a story published, I think in the 90s, in some magazine, some shitty rag that said the members of Leonard Skinner outside of Ronnie had eaten all of Ronnie Van Zant's donuts. And Ronnie realized this and 
the line that you hear him sing or say is my donuts goddamn and I have to be honest I always heard that as goddamn I always thought that sounded like a filthy filthy cuss word good thing that we have made this an explicit podcast so we can discuss this but if you listen to it it sounds a little bit weird it's a little hard to understand but he is saying my Montgomery got the answer so what does that mean why would he say that what do we know about Montgomery we know that it is the capital of Alabama it is where George Wallace lived it was also the scene of a very important civil rights march in the 1960s that ended in Montgomery so I don't know I've even heard that later on in a live recording Ronnie changed this the lyrics to say Mr. Carter has got the answer as in Mr. Jimmy Carter who was a far more progressive and liberal candidate and certainly wasn't a segregationist I haven't been able to confirm that can't hear that I haven't seen that anywhere but it's an odd lyric and I don't know what he means by that I think it was an ad lib but there had to be something behind it so what does this all mean free birds what does it mean to me what does it mean to you so the truth is I don't have the answer I'm not like Montgomery I don't have the answer I believe that Ronnie was not a racist that Skinner weren't racist but it could be wishful thinking on my part I certainly hope not at the end of the day you guys are gonna decide what it means to you and I've got to rate this song on a scale of one to five Skinners. So here we go. I'm gonna give this song based on the music, which is great. You've got, I haven't talked enough about music today because this song to me is kind of all about the lyrics in a lot of ways, even though I know the music is what makes it endure and makes it so catchy. And those those riffs are great. That riff is great. The, the guitar playing is great. The guitar solo is great. The Vocals are good. It's the first time we hear female background vocals on a Skinner song, which becomes, in a lot of ways, part of their sound in later years as they employ the honkettes. This is not the honkettes on this song, but they had some great female background singers. The song, musically, it obviously works. People love it, and it's a fun song to listen to. I love the Neil Young stuff. I think that's fascinating and fun. So for all those reasons and more, I'm going to give it 4.8 Skinners. However, I feel like I have to deduct one entire Skinnerd just for the 1% chance that this song might be totally racist. I know I'm hedging my bets, but I feel like that's fair. Remember how Neil Young said about his own song, Alabama? that it was not fully thought out and too easy to misconstrue. Well, Ronnie told us that he wrote this song in about 30 minutes and didn't think about it at all. So I'm gonna go ahead and say that Sweet Home Alabama was not fully thought out and it's too easy to misconstrue. And for that reason, I feel like it has hurt the band in some ways. I know it's what broke them out to the general public and there's a chance that I wouldn't even be talking about them if it weren't for this song. I know it's the, probably their biggest hit of all time. But I also feel like it's one of the reasons that they're not taken seriously like they should be. 
I think about other Southern rock bands. Think about Allman Brothers Band. You're not put down for saying uh, that you like the Allman Brothers Band. People think that's cool. And I get that they're more of like a jam band, kind of jazzy band, and, and that seems cooler than, than Skinner. But Skinner also did a lot of things really well that the Allman Brothers Band didn't do. And maybe one of the reasons, in addition to the Confederate flag, that Skinner is not accepted by the general public and is looked down upon by a lot of people is because of this song. In the words of Neil Young, the song is too easy to misconstrue and I'm deducting one entire Skinner. And that puts my rating for Sweet Home Alabama at 3.8 Skinner, which I think 3.8 Skinner. I think that might be the lowest rating we've had so far. So I think that rating is probably going to be about as controversial as the song itself. And I'm not trying to be adversarial just for that, just to be adversarial. I've given this a ton of thought, and that's my real rating. 3.8 Skinner, it's for Sweet Home Alabama. I know we're going long today. I also know that most of the feedback I've received has stated that songmeanings.com, that segment is everyone's favorite. It's my favorite too, guys. But if you think for one second, I'm going to go on to songmeanings.com and listen to what the people out there have to say about Sweet Home Alabama, then you just don't know me very well yet, free birds. There's not a chance in hell I'm going over there. So songmeetings.com is alive and well. We'll get back to it later, but it ain't happening today, folks. I do have a new segment for you, though, and it's called The Dad Review. I know that's not clever at all, and I couldn't even manage to fit any wise into that, so I apologize. But you guys know out there, free birds, that I talk a lot about my dad on here, so I thought it'd be fun to get his takes on these songs. So I asked him to email me uh, a short review of each song with his rating, and then I vowed not to read these ratings until I'm recording the podcast. So it's going to be as fresh and new to me as it is to you. So let's see what we got here. From Dad. Too many references that are so close to my heart as I grew up near Muscle Shoals in Alabama. Didn't realize that the Shoals musicians were called the Swampers until I heard it referenced in this song. That's interesting. The best song on the album without question. He's, Dad says the mention of the governor brings back the fact that George Wallace was termed out after two terms and his wife, Lurleen, ran for and became governor of Alabama. That's hilarious. I already talked about that. My diploma from Auburn is signed by Lurleen Wallace. Man, sorry to hear that, Dad. Then the last comment, Dad says Billy Powell gets to show his chops at the end, too. And that, that is such a great point. See? Glad you got my back, Dad. I talked way more about the lyrics than I usually do on this this episode, this song. I talked some about the guitar, but Billy Powell, no doubt, was such an important part of this song. His piano playing is perfect. I love the way he plays the song out. It's just the right amount of, of piano, and great job by my man, B. Powell. So, last thing he says, from the beginning with Turn It Up, this is the best song on the album, rating five Skinnerds. So maybe that helps. Maybe my dad evens things out. For those of you who are mad at me about my low rating of Sweet Home Alabama. And again, I think it's a great song in a lot of ways, but I don't know. Hopefully I explain myself and you understand where I'm coming from with my rating. But if not, my dad gave it five Skinnards. So that, that kind of brings it up, right? If you don't understand it, then I guess all I can say is, fuck you guys. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just really loving this new ability to say these awesome cuss words 
the truth is I love every single one of you that's listening. And what's the opposite of fuck you? Whatever that is, is what I want to say to you guys right now. And I can't wait to talk more about you in the next episode and to talk with you and get your feedback on this particular episode. All right. So the next song, the next episode on this album is I Need You. And that is the only song I have not heard on this album. Can't wait to hear it. Can't wait to talk about it with you guys, my beloved free birds. But I got to go. And so until next time, I must be traveling on. Sweet.